Welcome to the Mind Muscle Connection Podcast, a show that is dedicated to educating you on applying science-based training, nutrition, and mindset strategies from some of the top minds in the industry to help you build a leaner, stronger, and more confident self. I'm your host, Jeff Hain. Let's dive in. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Mind Muscle Connection podcast. Today is a solo episode and I have a topic I want to dive into. So I'm going to label this three reasons why I don't have clients track how many calories they burn. So if you're somebody that does regularly, you know, either tries to like get a certain number on your, uh, whatever, whatever you have, whether it be an iWatch or Fitbit or whatever it may be. Um, and you're just, you, you try to get as many, burn as many calories as you can. I want to go over why I don't think that's a great idea and why you should focus on other things off that. Um, again, you can track it if you want and just kind of see maybe how intense a workout is, but just realize it's not really going to give you any substantial data for you to make any adjustments on or anything like that. Um, so, and I'm going to talk about how, uh, these can lead to, you know, inaccurate, again, measurements and just give you false data basically. Um, and it can add a lot of confusion. So I want to, um, dive into that. So, uh, again, three reasons why, uh, you shouldn't, why I don't have clients track how many calories they burn. So the first reason is they can just be very inaccurate. Okay. So this is the the first thing, like, uh, the, the human body is just too complex and there are too many factors that the watch slash treadmill is not taking into consideration. So obviously we have our, our, the watch that I'm talking about, but also the uh, treadmill too, that will like also tell you how many calories you burn. And this just simply isn't taking enough information, um, into consideration, right? So usually it'll ask like either, you know, sometimes it'll ask body fat. If it doesn't do that, it really isn't going to be accurate, but even if it is, does ask for your body fat, it's still you know, not going to get enough information to be like, okay, this is how many calories so-and-so is burning. Again, it can get you close, not close. We'll, we'll talk about how close it could potentially get, but likely it won't get you as close as you, you would like. So it's, it's going to be very inaccurate. So no matter what it says, it's, it's again, it's, and it comes down to, there's just too many things that are going, going in to consideration here. Like again, it doesn't really know your genetics. Um, again, it really, what it's taking is like your heart rate, it's taking your weight and, if it, I, I don't know if I watch takes, knows your body fat again, like I said, if it doesn't take that, then uh, it's really going to be off. But then, like I said, you have, depending on how much muscle you have, which you can kind of figure out from body fat. But again, if you have more muscle, like that's going to play a role again, genetics are going to play a massive role in this as well. And it's just not going to do that. There was a study and they basically found that, uh, and this was done by Skirbina in 2017 and they the title of it was accuracy and wrist worn sensor based measurements of heart rate and energy expenditure in a diverse cohort um and so basically they looked at like again heart rate being again the you know how many how many times your heart is beating and then we have energy expenditure expenditure how much like energy you're spending during that uh that certain time um and they they evaluated the apple watch basis peak fitbits fitbit surge microsoft band meal alpha 2 pulse on and samsung gear 2 um so basically again they had them do many different things like uh sitting walking running cycling uh they had 60 volunteers 29 male 31 female uh the average age was 38 plus or minus 11 years. Um, they were of diverse age, height, weight, skin tone, and fitness level um, as well. Uh, so devices reported the lowest air for cycling and the highest for 
walking. Um, device error was higher for males uh, when you had greater body mass index, darker skin tone, and again, during walking. Um, and no device achieved an error in energy expenditure below 20%. So just think about that for a second. So none of them were within 20%. Um, so you pretty much are already going to assume that they're at least 20% off. And it also was a little bit higher than that as well. So the Apple Watch achieved the lowest overall error in both heart rate and energy expenditure, while the Samsung Gear 2 reported the highest um, error uh, in that. Um, from my understanding, too, heart rate was a little bit more accurate versus energy expenditure. Um, but yeah, so we're talking, you know, the, the lowest being... Uh, 20, 20%, nothing was lower than 20%, right? So again, the, the first main reason here is it's just going to be inaccurate, okay? Um, so, you know, even if you're trying to get a certain number, just realize that it's probably off by at least, at least 20%, if not more than that. Um, so that's reason number one, we don't use that. You know, right there, that's already a good enough reason, but we have other ones as well. Number two, we have you may compensate energy elsewhere. So a recent study by Corot et al. showed that on average, we may compensate for around 20%, 28% of the calories we burn elsewhere. This is most likely through NEAT, probably, uh, non-exercise activity thermogenesis, so just like subconscious movement. So for example, if you burn 100 calories, your body will lower the calories burned by 28 calories somewhere else throughout the day, um, whether it, it it's going to be a little bit more efficient with movements that you do. Uh, maybe you end up moving less throughout the day. Again, like I said, maybe subconsciously blink less, things like that. Your body is going to find ways to um, lower your overall caloric intake uh, as well. And the author stated, this suggests that only 72% of the extra calories we burn from additional activity translate into extra, extra calories burned that day. Um, and again, this was on average, right? So some people were more than that. So some people were, uh, again, more than 28%. They compensated elsewhere and some were a little bit less than that. Okay. But on average, it was, it was 28%. Uh, now, one thing they did mention in this is that this was more pronounced during times of energy restriction. So if you are somebody who, but this is important because most people track their calories burned, you know, for fat loss purposes, right? Somebody trying to build muscles, not like, oh, I'm trying to burn as many calories as I can. It's usually people that are aiming for fat loss. So they're likely to be at least trying for an energy deficit uh, when when tracking this. Okay. So uh, these are likely to be combined just be based on, you know, what people are wanting to do. So again, when you're in, in an energy deficit, we're more likely to compensate elsewhere. So again, not, so for one, these, these calories burned and these workouts are going to be highly inaccurate. We don't have anything that can accurately measure that. Two, you're likely to compensate elsewhere throughout the day. So it's like, again, you're not even going to um, see that that actual caloric burn for the, the entire day. Um, but also on this, if you are somebody that doesn't track your food intake, you may also compensate by subconsciously eating more later. So if you have like a really intense workout, um, you may find that you, be, you know, maybe you got your workout in and because you got your workout and you feel better about everything. So you're like, you know what, I can go and splurge on this or that because I got my workout in, right? So you, sub, and you, so you subconsciously will eat more. Now, this could also happen where maybe you just are a little bit hungrier because you had a higher intense workout, maybe not right after your workout, but later in the day, you find that you're a little bit hungrier because you know, you're know you lower on energy, you had that high intense workout. And so now you're a little bit hungrier. And then again, you, you subconsciously eat a little bit more. So first we have, it's highly inaccurate. Second, you may compensate your energy elsewhere. So now we have 
you know, two main reasons why we don't have um, clients track their calories burned uh, in their workouts. Third, it can lead to you thinking you can add those calories in for the day. So this is the biggest mistake that I see made here with this is uh, if you use my fitness pal or something that sometimes it will add your uh, exercise calories back in. So then people think, oh, now because I burn those calories, now I can eat that amount of food and I can add that back in. Um, you know, so the worst part about this is that you assume you can then go and eat those calories you quote unquote burned, uh, which, which is a big problem. So not only are these are measurements likely inaccurate, but the body is very complex as well. Um, this mess, this method also, another big reason here is this also causes a ton of confusion because you end up eating, you know, different amounts, um, from day to day where it's like, you know, you're not getting consistent with what you're eating. And that adds a lot of confusion into something that's already, fairly complex for people, like, uh, you know, in terms of, of fat loss. Right. So that's the one that I, I see the biggest issue with this is that people don't realize that, you know, it's probably not a good idea to add these calories, um, back in, uh, and again, mainly just because we don't really know how many calories you actually burn. Like we said, it's not accurate. Um, you may compensate elsewhere elsewhere for energy throughout the day. And then lastly, you just, you think now that you can add those in. And so the call, and sorry, let me rephrase that. We already know that, but it's going to add a lot of confusion into how much you should eat throughout the day. It's like, Oh, one day I'm going to eat this. Oh, well, I, I burned 550 calories. So now I can eat, add this in. And then it's like, well, I had that. And so you just add too much confusion into the uh, situation. Um, and again, there's just too much noise as to what's going on. So what do we do with clients instead? So the first thing is we track daily activity through steps. So these trackers are accurate, much more accurate at tracking steps. Now I, I said that they were not accurate with walking, but they weren't accurate with how much, uh, how many calories you're burning during walking, not how many steps you're taking. Okay. So first we have clients track activity, um, through, through steps. Uh, these trackers are much more reliable at tracking steps, like I mentioned, and this tells you how much total activity you have from day to day. One thing that I'll see happen a lot of times when people just track calories burned is they will have, you know, people have tough workouts to burn a certain amount of calories again, which we know isn't accurate and then end up seeing their total daily activity through steps go down and end up lowering their, they end up lowering their total daily energy expenditure, AKA how many calories you burn in a day. So basically here, what happens is Again, you, you go and burn a bunch of calories. Again, you're like, oh, it was really intense. Now I get to relax for the rest of the day. Maybe you're a little bit more tired. You don't feel like moving as much. Again, your body may compensate for energy elsewhere. So then you sit around and now you're not moving as much as you normally would have throughout the day. And you end up actually burning fewer calories because you're not actually moving around as much as you typically do. Okay. Um, so that's another big thing that uh, I'll see there that is just a problem with the, these devices and looking at how many calories you're burning um, throughout the day. Then we combine that. Also, the next thing we do is we have client we have clients keep their calories the same from day to day. Now, certain clients maybe will calorie cycle a little bit where they have one or two days where they go a little bit higher. Then five days are a little bit lower. But for the most part, I would say nine times out of ten, clients are we're keeping their calories from day to day, keeping the same from day to day. Instead of changing how much a client eats each day because of the calories burned, we just have them eat the same amount each day, um, and then. But now, you know, you have a constant variable in steps and calories, and then you can make adjustments from there rather than having changing variables from day to day. This makes the process less, less complicated than it needs to be. Um, because again, if you're changing how many calories you're eating throughout the day or from day to day, you're not tracking your steps. That's not consistent. The only thing that you're doing is tracking how many calories you're burning. There's just too many, too many uh, variables that are changing from day to day. And it's like, 
well, am I not seeing my weight trend down because of my movement? Is it because I'm eating too many calories? We, we don't know, right? So basically what we do here is we take their calories and their steps um, and we then we'll make adjustments based on the results over a longer time frame, usually about one to two weeks. Okay. So you keep calories consistent, you keep steps the same. And then basically from there, you look at where their weight is trending over time. And if after a week or two, it's not moving down, it's like, okay, well, this is kind of where your overall activity levels are at. This is where your um, calories are at. Do we make, do we drop calories? Do we increase your steps or do we do a combination of both? Right. And we basically will ask the client there, with that in terms of which one do you feel more comfortable with, which one you can do. Now, for example, if a client maybe is getting six to 8,000 steps per day, they're eating relatively low calorie already, the likely move there is going to be steps. But again, this is dependent on the client. So it's it's what they're most comfortable with. If they, they're like, there's no way I can get an extra 2,000 steps or increase my steps, well, then we're obviously not going to have them do that. We're going to make a decrease via calories and we'll just have to let them know the trade-off of, hey, now you're going to be eating you know, fewer food than, or less food than what you have been in the past. But again, this really just makes the process way less complicated. And you have that, uh, that variable that is, is constant from week to week. And, and you can make a better, more informed decision on what you need to change, or if you just need to stick with the process as well, too, because sometimes it's like, Hey, you know, maybe a client is just their weight is maybe being stubborn and they just need that wish effect. They just need to stay consistent. But again, if you're changing things from day to day, your workouts are different every single day, you're burning more calories than other times. It's like, you don't really know for sure what is going on there. And one other thing that I wanted to uh, say on this too, is uh, one thing you can add in on top of the steps and calories too, is, you know, you want to maintain some structure in your high intensity workouts. If you do like to do workouts and increase your heart rate, you know, get you sweaty, et cetera, um, to help with fat loss, like high intensity interval training, hit training, then make sure you have some structure in those workouts and maintain that from week to week. So for example, maybe you have one hit workout scheduled each week, keep things like the time exercise modality, uh, RPE, Etc. relatively similar and make small progressions based on recovery and results. You know, again, what you don't want to do here is you don't want to have one week where you do two to three hit workouts and then you do, then the next week you do zero to one. Again, that's going to add a lot of, uh, you're just changing too many variables. And you're not going to be able to figure out what is and isn't working. Another example here is don't do a hit workout that is like 10 minutes one week and then 30 minutes the next week, right? Or one that is you doing sprints. And then the next week you're doing like a bunch of circuits with like weights and stuff like that. Again, that's just, you're just changing too many things there. And it's just causing a ton of, uh, variability from, from day to day. And you're better off, you know, sticking with your steps, calories, and then, you know, having these hit workouts and then either increasing a hit workout to one to two, or again, adding more steps, whatever it may be. But again, you have that constant variable and then you can see where you need to make that change. But again, this just, if you're changing things up all the time, um, this just adds too much confusion, confusion and noise uh, to the to the equation. And again, you're going to struggle to stay consistent and again see results because there's just too many things um, that are going on. So just to sum it up, calories burned are a poor measure of how good your workout was, and it's highly inaccurate, leading to many other issues, especially when it comes to fat loss. So if you have any questions on this topic, send me a DM on Instagram or an email. Um, or if you know me personally, you can always reach out and ask me about this as well. So that's it for this episode. Let me know if you have any questions and I'll talk to you guys next week. 
Thank you for listening. If you want more free content like this, follow me on Instagram at jeffh91 underscore or visit jhhealth.net. See you next time.